Quick shout out to the show sponsors, Kogala. If you haven't tried out their light, check them out. Check out the show notes for a link and a discount code. But talk about a perfect light for those late trail runs. Late at night when it's super dark and you're not sure if you can see the rocks and roots, Kogala's really come through for me. So check that out. Exoskin, they now have a skull cap. They're coming out with wool toe socks and just high quality fabrics. I I only used one pair of their toe socks. I use their calf sleeves also. And uh, I, I think I used their base layer shirt. But one pair of toe socks throughout all of Black Canyon 100K with probably five or six water crossings. And personally, I didn't have any blisters. I kicked some rocks super hard. I don't think it matters what kind of sock you're wearing for that one. But uh, no blisters. And I only used one pair of the same pair of shoes and same pair of socks throughout the whole 100K. So I keep seeing great results with those socks and, and base layers, compression bottoms, just all really high-tech, high-quality. Appreciate Exoskin. Destination Trail, Orcas Island is coming up at the beginning of May. If you haven't checked it out, they have races of a variety of distances. This is the first year they're going to offer the 200-mile race, which I will be attending and yeah, they have a 50 miler that's awesome. 60,000 feet of gain on the 200 miler. So if you're looking for a challenge, that's about as good as it gets here in America. And yeah, I'm just super excited. I've heard great things about those trails. So thank you to Candace Burt and her team. Big thank you to Hammer Nutrition. We'll be using a ton of hammer gels. If you haven't checked out Perpetuum, it's a liquid calorie. I'll be drinking that all throughout 2020. So Appreciate Hammer's support from day one. Shout out to the Ultra Red team. I'll be using Ultras throughout all of 2020. And yeah, we can dive into that some other time. But in terms of gear, I've decided I really like the Zero Drop and the larger toe box that Ultra shoes provide, especially on those 200 milers. So last mention, thank you to the Patreon supporters, closed Facebook group, I now have different tiers, and that allows me to give out a shout-out to Ray Simmons and Richard Murray, both awesome supporters. I now have a tier where I will give you a shout-out. But yeah, every every single supporter I value, and you make this all work. Let's get on the show. Enjoy this episode. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect the shit out of that, man. So, if you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. And that was a moment I I can look back on now. And uh, that was one of my favorite moments: getting a foot massage by Hayden at mile 62. This is um, a fan of yours, and I'm just calling in to express my admiration. It's Dean Carnassus, the ultra marathon man. Hello, listeners. This is Chris Mako, and we are live. And you're listening to Training for Ultra podcast. This is Anime Flynn, and I'm here talking to Training for Ultra podcast. Yeah, it's like really, I just need to catch up with Rob. 100 miles is not that far. <laughs> I, I thought oh. it was a joke, actually. It, it is. I thought it was one of your jokes, yeah. It is a joke. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so classic. <laughs> Oh my God, because literally thing would be like beep, 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 mother, mother, beep, mother, mother, beep, beep, mother, beep, mother, beep, 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 beep. 
One, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Training for Ultra Podcast. I'm Sally McRae, also known as Yellow Runner. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra Podcast. Welcome to episode 127 of the Training for Ultra Podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. And this is something a little different. We're trying to talk to two people who just finished their very first 100K. And this is running your first 100K. So let's get some insights from two people that have managed to figure out training. They both have multiple kids, busy lives, full-time jobs, and they've managed to figure it all out. And they ran Black Canyon 100K. They now both have Western States qualifiers. And I'm just super inspired by both of them. I hope you are too. Big thank you again to Kogala, Exoskin Destination Trail Hammer Nutrition, and a shout out to Ultra Red Team. Appreciate you guys. Hopefully enjoy this episode. I'm joined by Corinne Chalvoy and Todd Beck. This is running your first 100K. Thank you guys for joining me. Thanks so much, Thanks. Rob. Thanks, Rob. So it was, it was a cool experience, you know, going out to Arizona, Phoenix area, and running the Black Canyon 100K. It was not an easy race. You sh- you look up that race on paper, like the course profile, and it looks just totally crushable. And the reality is it's it's actually a really hard race. Um, let's start with Corinne. I, you came up to me at the I think we were in the gym before the race and said hi. And I think we had met briefly at a group run at some point. You are kind of in the Denver area. Yeah. Um, that, that was cool of you. And, and give the listeners some background on where you're from and, and kind of some of your background. Sure. Yeah. No, I really, really appreciate you having on. I love, love the podcast and, you know, super honored to, to be asked to, to talk to you and, and finally get to meet you in person. Um, so yeah, my name is Corinne Shalvoy. I, I grew up in the San Juans of Colorado down in Uray. Um, many, uh, folks will know that, uh, area as the hard rock course, of I didn't course. Know you were from um, Uray. So, oh my gosh. yeah, I was, I'm born and raised in Uray, fourth generation native. My, my family still lives there. Um, my uncle actually is Rick Trujillo. He's a bit of a legend in ultra running from way back. He held the Pikes Peak Marathon course record from the seventy from seventy four to seventy six until Matt Carpenter broke it. Um, he also won Hard Rock when he was in his fifties. So there's wow. a, a little little bit of family history in running. But um, I yeah grew up in Uray. Uh, I did lots of different sports growing up, starting really in middle school volleyball, basketball, um, track. And then I started to run cross country uh, as a junior in high school and, um, actually had, you know, had some success in both, uh, cross country and track at like the state level. But I, I was asked to go run for Western state or Adams state actually offered full rides to run for those guys. Um, but decided not to, um, actually decided to, to focus more on education and ended up going to the university of Denver, um, and running on their cross country team, but I would say absolutely not, uh, not, you know, in a competitive fashion whatsoever. Um, super so, fascinating. You, you have not shared any of this probably cause you're, you were running after your two kids, uh, during, I think it was David Roach and Megan came to share their book or something to that. Yeah, effect. exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. That is a, you have a fascinating background. Um, Let's let's shift gears. I want to hear from Todd. Todd, where are you from? So I'm from Nina, Wisconsin, which is uh, 30 minutes south of Green Bay. Okay, and um, 
in okay, so you're not from Green Bay. I, I think I lumped that together for some reason in my head. No, that's okay. That's okay. I'm uh, I'm very close to it though. So, um, you, you know, my background is is kind of on the other spectrum of of Corinne. So, Corinne, I, I don't know how I'm going to follow that, but I'm I'm going to do the best I can. So, I didn't I didn't start running until be five years this coming March is when I officially started running. Um, so I was I was 50 pounds overweight, uh, ex smoker of 17 years, and uh, picked up uh, running as kind of an accidental cause. So. I was in the process of losing weight, went out to California to visit some friends, and uh, they didn't have a bike. So I had to do something to keep my body and keep things going. So uh, just started running and uh, haven't looked back since. Um, so growing up as a kid, um, was in some sports. Uh, soccer was mostly my sport until I got into high school, and then um, the guitar and the bands took over uh, my lifestyle for, for many years. Um, so that's a, a little bit of an overview on my background. I didn't know that about you. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and for the listeners' background, Todd has four kids. So mm-hmm. both both of these first-time 100K, we'll just call you runners for now, I guess. We don't want to ruin it. Um, it. I mean, a lot of kids amongst the three of us. But yeah, Todd um, stayed at the same Airbnb as me and a bunch of other basically dads with a bunch of kids. Uh, it was Tommy Byrne, Bigger Than the Trail. It's kind of his annual thing that, that I've been fortunate to take part in. So I got to know Todd, and um, he didn't snore too loud, so <laughs> I got some sleep. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, let's let's talk about um, why you guys picked Black Canyon 100K. Todd, will you start us off on of every hundred k? You've, I mean, first give us like maybe two second background on how many ultras you had done prior, and then why you picked Black Canyon hundred k. Sure, sure. So I've done uh, I've done seven ultras prior to Black Canyon, uh, so still maybe considered a rookie. But I uh, I came off of doing North Face Ultra in uh, September, had a, had some struggles. And, but yet wanted to go to the next level. So I talked to Tommy and a couple other friends and just asked their opinion. Hey, where's, where's a hundred K I will travel. And, uh, cool. Tommy basically said black Canyon hundred K. He didn't give you an option. He, he probably of all the hundred K's in the world, he just told you about that one. And I mean, I don't blame him, but and I give Tommy a hard time. I love joking around with him. Um, my humor gets too dry around him, honestly, my sarcasm. Um, Corinne, how, how did you pick Black Canyon 100K? Um, yeah, so I um, I have run pro- – so let's see. I've run two close to, close to ultra distance, so the um, Quad Rock 25-miler and the Leadville Trail – marathon and those then are beyond, hard efforts by the way <laughs> those are then, 40 mile efforts <laughs> and then beyond that i have run three 50ks so indian creek 55k that's a the, hard race <laughs> did, you, okay, I, did you do any easy races uh, 
Um, I actually have a course record on Indian Creek, which I'm pretty proud of since it's in the backyard. But yeah, yeah, and then you rock uh, 50K in in Virginia, of all places, um, which is a really cool course. And then the North Face 50K this last um, this last November. So, uh, yeah, that was my ultra history prior to uh, the, the Black Canyon. And I decided to run it. Um, because I am planning to run Leadville 100 this year and I felt like I needed to run either a 50 or a hundred K and I was looking for one that was early enough in the season, um, that I felt like I'd have enough time to, to recover and really prepare for Leadville. So, um, it looked awesome. I've never run in Arizona. I liked the course profile and, um, that's, kind of why I chose it. And then I ended up getting onto the Arab Vipa team. So it kind of was just serendipitous that it all came together and it's, um, one of their races. You're, you're really quick. You're really quick. Um, and it was, I mean, what I love about this, Todd, you're middle of the pack crusher. Corinne, you're just a crusher. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and yet we all kind of found ourselves at this race I mean, were you guys nervous going into the longest race of your lives to this point? Like, Corinne, how were you feeling? I mean, were you confident? Um, I know you're coached by David Roach, correct? I'm or coached Megan, by Megan. Megan, Megan right? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was confident. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. Okay. No, unknown territory. I mean, I try, I, I think I, I felt good in the, in my training and I, I, I felt I, I felt that I was going to be able to do the distance, but it, you know, it's an unknown. And I, just like a 50 K a couple of years ago was an unknown, you know, you just don't know what to expect. So, um, I had a plan and I knew that it would probably completely go out the window, but I, um, I, you know, I was just looking forward to it and I really was trying to focus on just experiencing the trail and taking it all in because, you know, you only have one time to do uh, a first of something. Yeah. I mean, 100K is, it's hard adding that extra half marathon after a 50 miler, honestly. Like, it's, that's kind of how I visualize it in my own head. Um, Mm -hmm. And the leap from a 50K to a 50 miler is substantial. So then to tag on the extra um, portion is, it's intimidating, honestly. It's, It's really intimidating. And I like how you said that, you know, venturing off into the unknown like that's i would say there's not an ultra distance where there is not some big question mark you know like even 50ks that are seen as flatter or easier like you can still have a bad day like there's no no ultra finish that's a given um and that's why i really find it rewarding doing these races you earn every finish in an ultra really for sure yeah Totally agree. Todd, how were you feeling? I know you were a little concerned, a little nervous, but you seemed calm mm-hmm. enough at the house. Yeah, I, my biggest concern is, is I, I had a calf strain on December 28th, so I lost a lot of training in between that December and January month, uh, just doing a lot of cycling. So I didn't know what to expect once once I got into Arizona and trying to adjust to, to altitude. I know it's not that big, but it's a lot, lot more than what it is in Wisconsin. Um, along with just trying to understand the heat, you know, it's a different, the desert is different heat. There's no shade whatsoever. 
right? So my concern was, was the calf going to hold up and how was I going to be able to perform? So I had a lot of concerns going into it. I know the morning of, um, I slept good that whole night. Uh, but the morning of, uh, the nerves started to kick in, wondering if, if things were going to hold together. I I noticed that I tried to walk us out towards the uh, start line. I don't know if you realize that, but I, we were in the gym, and actually, same gym gym that uh, Corinne was in there, and I was like, well, yeah, we should go look. Uh, normally, the super elites are are jogging to warm up before this race. And I was like, there's no way I'm jogging before this race. Um, I think we went, went out to look if Camille was, was there or not. Um, Mm -hmm. but it helped settle my nerves too. Honestly, I was feeling a little anxious, um, just because of how much snow we got in Colorado the past, the two weeks in the lead up to this race, I think I did 8.8 miles or something like that. I mean, we had, a little shake out the day before the race, but um, I think just work stress, life stress. And I I was not feeling as confident uh, going into the start line. That's for sure. Um, so before we get into the race specifics, I mean, we all have a lot of kids. One of the most common questions I'm always getting is how do you figure this all out with family life? Like, how do you work training for ultras into your life when you have kids? And I wanted to hear from both you guys. Maybe Corinne, you could start, but how do you manage to train with two boys that are probably just destroying stuff constantly in your house? <laughs> yeah, we also have a seven-month-old puppy, so I don't know. And he's 50, she is 50 pounds now. I don't know what we were That's thinking with that. Um, bigger than she, the five-year-old. Yeah, no kidding. We found out she's a Doberman Rottweiler German Shepherd mix. So she's got a little bit of energy too, but um, yeah. She's not done growing yet either, is she? So. No, she's not. <laughs> um, so yeah, glutton for punishment. But I think that to answer your question, Rob, it it takes, um, you know, for me at least, my, my husband's also an ultra runner and, um, we're, we're both, we both work full time. Um, but we're, we're, we're through and through, you know, partners in this and, and team teammates in this. And we understand how important it is to each other. Um, and so we figure it out and we plan. I mean, he's a way better planner than I am, but we have to get organized and literally like talk through the week. Like <laughs> we don't quite whiteboard it, but you know, we, we talk, we talk a lot about what is your week look like? What is my week look like training work? What do the kids have going on? And then we organize it and we just figure out when we can do it. Um, luckily both of us have jobs that are somewhat flexible that in the winter months when it's cold and dark, we can actually, usually get out for midday runs, which is hugely helpful. Um, yeah. Lunch runs are, I, yeah. I don't know if I'd be able to make this all work without lunch runs, honestly. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. But on the weekends, it's literally like, who's going to take the early run and go out at six. That's what um, I was wondering. Okay. And then, and then most times, um, all, you know, one of us will do that and the other will meet the other at the trailhead and we will, Switch. Hand off the boys and do you high five and, and, and just keep running. Yeah, <laughs> it's like WWF yeah. at your house. Like, um, yeah. 
So, yeah. and then the, the next day, like the sun, if that's Saturday, the Sunday, yeah. you guys flip and then yep. the next, usually whoever did early you gets get the to morning sleep and in a little, a little bit longer. Although we have our five-year-old likes to get up at five regardless. So um, yeah. we're pretty much up at that time. Yeah. But that's, that's how we do it. And, um, and we just, we prioritize it and sometimes it gets crazy, but um, I think, I think the biggest thing is understanding you know, with, with one another, how important it is. And, and that said, I have, you know, we have a community of runners here in the area who a lot of them are, their significant others do not run. Um, but it's okay because they understand how important it is to the other person. And, and so it's just that understanding of like, you know, this is, this is important to me and we're going to figure out our schedule and the rest of our lives you know, around it and to fit it in. It's part of our lives. That's awesome. Are you able to go on hikes and stuff as a family? Do you ever try to like yeah. incorporate yeah. the kids in your training? Yeah, as weird we, as that we, sounds? we do for sure. Yeah. And actually um, my husband, a lot of times does, you know, a mile or, or maybe a little bit more with, with our boys at the beginning or at the end of the run um, or they'll go out on their bike with them. So um we, yeah, we do, but lots, lots of hiking and, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, cool. we want them to, to get exposed to this, uh, as well. Todd, how do you do it? A lot of early mornings. Um, so I work full time. My wife is a, a stay at home mom. Um, but to be honest, my, my wife is my, my biggest supporter out of everybody. Obviously she is, uh, been in my corner, let me get up, get the training in. You know, if I can't get it done during the morning, it's going to be late at night uh, just because I want to maximize the time that I have with the kids. Um, you know, the biggest challenges is, is the long runs. Um, you know, and generally I hold those to, to Saturdays um, between my, my son's uh, sports activities and that. It's always trying to weigh, um, you know, weigh everything out, uh, get up earlier. If he has an early game, you know, I'm, I'm going to get up early and, and get the long run in and get the training and the work done. So, um, my coach is great with flexibility. You know, if I have to move things around um, because of my kid's schedule, um, he's he's really solid with that. So, uh, a lot of early mornings, um, a lot of cold mornings, a lot of <laughs> a lot of winter mornings lately. So, um, I, th- I think at the end of the day, if it wasn't for my wife, it'd be it'd be a lot more challenging. So, has she has? I mean, she's your biggest supporter. You said. Has she seen a personality shift in you since you lost all this weight and became super active? I mean, you're more active than probably 99% of Americans now. She, uh, she has given me the, um, how do I word it? She has respected what I've done. Um, and she is continuing to see what I, you know, I continue to raise the bar and I don't mean to, to kind of come off pompous, but um, ultra running is is extremely physical, but extremely mental. And after Black Canyon, just specifically, um, you know, I crossed that finish line. I was I was extremely emotional. That's the most emotional I've ever been crossing a finish line because of how hard it was. Right. And I, I don't want to take away from the race, but she has seen a lot more of a confident person, a confident man. Um, leading the home is, is a lot more different and it's inspired her to now that we're done having children to lose, lose the baby weight. Right. And she has, she has began running and uh, she's now going to start, I'm not going to take it in ultras, but she wants to run her first half marathon in September. And 
um, we're going to run it together. So looking forward to uh, being able to share that experience with her. That's awesome. I mean, honestly, yeah, I think uh, I might have been one of the few people to pick up on how emotional you were at the finish line. And that's why we're talking to you, Todd. We got to hear about this race. Corinne, a year from you, Ray, we we don't need to talk to you anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm equally as inspired with your race. Seriously, like I was blown away by both you guys. Um, I want to hear about the early miles. For the listeners' background, the first 18 miles to Bumblebee Aid Station are absolutely beautiful, crushable, perfect descent, just that grade where you feel like you are an elite runner no matter your physical abilities. Um, it gets me every year, three years in a row now. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh, we talked about that before. <laughs> oh, I mean, everyone knows this. It's uh, having the self-discipline not to do what I did. Um, Corinne, how, how were the first 18 <laughs> miles of your race? Uh, you, you know, you, you know, they were good. Um, other than the fact that it's probably too graph too much, but TMI, but I, I, I had to pee the entire time. I, I don't know if I, the I thought it was overhydrated. Well, like I felt, I felt like I could constantly pee the entire like first 15 miles. I don't know what was going on with me. So did you just, why didn't uh, you just stop and pee? Oh, well, I may have just peed oh, anyways, oh. I, but I don't yes. really like to stop. Love it. She kept yeah. going, Rob. Yeah. What, what a way for me to introduce myself on this a is, podcast. Is, Jesus. Okay, we're going to talk about chafing 101 here, guys. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Um, but I felt good. Let's, I, all right, let's get off the topic of pee. I, I, felt, I felt good, and I was actually trying to stay really, you know, I was trying to stay really conservative um, because I didn't know what to expect later on. And so I, I actually ended up getting into a, a train of God. I, I mean, one guy that yeah. we were around was like, I have never seen this many people in a train like this 15 miles into a race. So that poor, was poor guy. Was he behind you? Sorry. He wasn't, but he, um, but yeah, no, but that, that helped actually hold, hold me back because I couldn't really yeah, pass people. That's I've, I've had, honestly, I've had some of my best races, uh, because I've been forced to slow down because of that situation, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of hydration, I mean, if I have to pee more than once in the first 18 miles of a race, I'm probably going to take, uh, some kind of like, I don't know salt pill or something because i i know that i'm overhydrated and i need to probably increase electrolytes because i've peed them all out for the most part mm-hmm. um as weird as that sounds hopefully that's helpful for one person out there um <laughs> me i did take a salt tablet um but i wondered if it was i drank a vitamin water before so i classic never you know never do anything different the, the only electrolyte drink i could find was a, a vitamin water and i i never drink that but i drink it i don't know oh, if good. it was a factor <laughs> um but i just decided to sabotage myself early and drink you know something i'd never drank before nothing new on race day you gotta plan out down to whatever you're drinking i mean at least for me 
Uh, I'm, I'm OCD about that stuff. Um, Todd, how did your first 18 miles go? I'm, I'm not going to say I didn't, uh, I didn't have any issues peeing, but, uh, and you know, at the end of the day, the first 18 was solid. Um, it was beautiful, you know, to, to mirror what you just said, Rob, I mean, uh, running that track, making the loop and then going out, uh, once you, you, you know, go down the, the Jeep trail and then you actually get into the single track. I mean, it was, it was like, wow, you know, this, this is the time, this is what all the work that we put in. And I mean, the beauty of the sunrise, it was just, it was gorgeous. Um, and that first 18, um, up to the, the first aid station, it was solid for me. So it was, it was a good run. I was feeling good. Um, my calf was a little tight the first three and a half, four miles. So I was a little concerned on that, but then things started to loosen up and, and was just in, in a good rhythm for that first 18. That's awesome. I mean, honestly, some of those kind of sidewinding, uh, descents are why you go to black canyon 100k i think it's mile like 8 to 13 where each miles 150 feet of descent or something to that effect it's mm-hmm. just phenomenal to the point where i think i did a double take where i looked at my watch and i thought i should be around like seven or eight miles and it was like 12 or 13 um not good for me personally um but yeah it it's why you go to that race and it's phenomenal, but most people can't hold back like myself. And I blew out my quads basically at mile 18. So I, I went in there, um, having just set a a 30 K PR for myself, um, which is not disciplined of me. Like I just got carried away and, uh, there was still 70 K to go in this race. And, I had to learn how to use legs that did not want to really fire correctly. So it was it was hard because there were a lot of people that were super friendly saying hi to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I was in a lot of pain. But how did the next part of the race go for you, Corinne? From Bumblebee. I mean, Bumblebee Aid Station is phenomenal, right? Did you have a chance to even look around? Um um, not, not, I was pretty quick in and out there. Actually, okay. I think, I think I ended up spending less than a cu- two minutes at, at every aid station, except for table Mesa, which, um, yeah, we can talk about later, but, <laughs> 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 but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was really cool coming in and, um, yeah, I, I grabbed a new vest and, and headed out and then, um, did you want me to talk about the next section? Yeah, I mean, go as far as you want. Sure. I mean, yeah. I think the natural progression is to Black Canyon. Uh, yeah, Black Canyon City. Mm-hmm. Where you can pick up a pacer, correct? 37, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so like for me, I, I had told myself before, like, I'm going to have my own little celebration with myself when I get to 35, because that was, that'd be further than I'd ever. Wow. And so, so I was really looking forward to, to that. Um, and unlike you, Rob, who just goes straight to triple crown it took me 25 years to get to a point of feeling like i wanted to run a 50k so you know this that's really cool this is a it's a long you know i think i have a very very long-term approach to the sport um in in terms of just the continuing to explore it and and so i i um that next section actually similar, um, to you, Todd, I, 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 that next section, I kind of got into a flow of not a flow. I mean, I know you love the word flow, 
I wouldn't call it flow. Keep going. I would, Keep I would going. Call it, I, I would call it a rhythm. I'd call it a rhythm of just feeling comfortable, feeling like, um, you know, within myself, uh, enjoying the course, you know, talking to people, just act, really enjoying being out there. So you were um, conversational pace. Like you were never outside of your comfort zone. Right. Yeah. 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 But I, I didn't want, I didn't want to be, you know, cause I, I again, I knew I, I had a long way to go. Um, I'll say toward the end of that section, as I was approaching Black Canyon city, I started to get a little bit tired of being by myself and I was really looking forward to having a pacer, um, and to seeing, seeing my crew and pacer. Um, but it was also cool cause there's an out and back section and you could see, um, I get, you could see where you were at. And I, I had given myself a goal of, of trying to pass like five women between Bumblebee and black Canyon. Um, and I think I ended up passing 10 or 12. Um, so I, I was feeling really good and strong and, and, um, and, and then toward the end, I was like, I'm ready to see somebody and have somebody with me. Really cool. I mean, so right around, Soap Creek, which is like the 50K mark, were you getting hot with that initial? I think there's like a a stream crossing and then kind of like a yeah. mile or two climb into that aid station before you drop yeah. down into Black Canyon. Um, yeah. Were you feeling hot? Yeah, get, it was definitely getting warm. I mean, and again, coming from where it's been so cold here in Colorado, um, yeah, I was getting warm. I never felt overheated. Um, I definitely had to use like the, I used some of the sponges and stuff at the, the aid stations in between. Um, so it was getting warm, but, but not, not too uncomfortable. Todd, you didn't hear that last comment that it's getting really cold in Colorado. <laughs> um, cause I think it was like negative 35 in the green Bay area. Um, how <laughs> All right, it's, it's balmy. Sorry. <laughs> Like, come on, Chris. <laughs> no. Um, from Bumblebee down to kind of the 50K mark down into Black Canyon, which was 37, 38. Todd, how, how were your legs holding up? How was your body holding up? Like, what's going through your head as you're doing this? So, uh, again, the descent into Bumblebee was great. Um, was welcomed by by Chris Thornley with a big hug, which uh, definitely was a nice motivation to uh, change the socks and get back out there. But a um, little bit of struggle on the climb out, a little bit out of Bumblebee. Um, I it was kind of trying to figure out the nutrition a little bit. I stuck to, stuck to my nutrition plan. But during that that stretch from Bumblebee to Black Canyon City, um, it, was, it, was, it was very lonely. I mean, to, to you know, runners would would come and go you'd, you'd run with a, a group and then people would separate but the heat was starting to get to me a little bit um and i know it wasn't extremely hot but i was losing a ton of salt so i had a runner come by me and she said hey you need a salt tab and i said what do you mean she's like look at your shirt i'm you know wearing a black patagonia uh shirt and it's just white stripes across a solid black shirt so obviously i had some issues with the nutrition um she gave me a couple of her salt tabs and that seemed to help things out, um, you know, to Black Canyon City. So I, I don't want to say it was fantastic, but it was it was solid. Um, and I'm looking, you know, looking at my my numbers here. I mean, it was pretty solid for that that stretch. A couple slow stretches, I think, in some of those climbs, but for the most part, it was somewhat averaging um, what I was trying to be at uh, pace wise to Black Canyon City. And Corinne, had you? 
repeat again from Black from Bumblebee to Black Canyon? <laughs> were you were you still having trouble with that, or did you correct that? And how was wow, your nutrition? You're really worried about my peeing. No, how, how was it. how was your nutrition? No, yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, it did remedy itself. It kind of stopped after, you know, probably about 20 miles um, seemed to, to get better. So I was, um, I mean, that was encouraging that that I wasn't continuing to have the issue. But um, yeah, nutrition wise, I do. I mean, I eat spring energy and it works really well for me. Um, so I... I eat often. I eat like every 30 minutes. And then I was drinking, um, you know, 80 calorie per 12 ounce or 16 ounce electro electrolyte, um, drink as well. So, um, okay. I didn't drink as much as I thought I would early on in the race, uh, at the beginning, maybe cause it was cooler, I think, but, um, nutrition wise, I was staying pretty good. I might've been getting slightly behind, um, by black canyons. Yeah, I had I had been uh, eating every every thirty minutes. So you're going off feel. It seems like, like you've just tr- you've done enough of this to know like when to have a gel. I mean, you say every thirty minutes, but it sounds like at least hydration is off feel. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think I'm still figuring out hydration a little bit, but but yeah, I, I do try to stick pretty pretty set to thirty minutes every thirty minutes, and that might be a hundred calorie spring or it might be a 250 calorie so i i tried to shoot for 250 um to 350 calories an hour total between food and drink okay and then todd how was i mean how how were you handling nutrition and hydration because it sounds like you're sweating like me i was actually wearing a black shirt that had a white stripe on it by the end too um i mean what how were you handling calories and hydration? Sure. And yeah, so I I, uh, I was dealing with actually running out of fluids uh, quicker than I expected. So I was doing um, goose troop waffles um, and uh, goo uh, roctane every sports drink every hour. So I was putting down two fifty three hundred calories an hour, um, but I was noticing my you know I'd be maybe a mile and a half before to an aid station and my bottles were empty. Right. And, you know, a mile and a half to, you know, people on the roads, that doesn't seem like much, but on the trails, that's a little bit of a longer stretch depending on how you're running it. So, um, struggled a little bit where I could have used a third bottle, uh, just to, to, to stay hydrated. So I think that was one of my, my one of my flaws. It's just not enough fluid intake as well. Um, but other than that, I mean, I never had any stomach issues at all during that whole run. Um, no, no issues whatsoever. In the past, I've had some issues, um, but obviously, there's some things that down the stretch of this race that uh, I started to learn very quickly what I needed to change. Um, but we could get to get to that later on. But for the most part, nutrition I stuck to stuck to the plan and could have used some more hydration at the end of the day. Yeah, it got hot. I was putting ice in my hat. I think at two aid stations, and I mean, for the listeners' background, the aid stations are pretty ideal i mean you're talking mm-hmm. like maximum you can go without an aid station it's nine miles like it's it felt a little cush for me just having done like moab 240 has a 25 mile section between aid stations so um long time yeah like mm-hmm. six miles for me in the desert between aid stations, I truly was, I kind of felt thankful. I was like, oh, this is great. Like, um, and then really quick before we 
climb out of Black Canyon uh, Aid Station, how were you guys' feet and how were the trails? <laughs> because we did some river crossings and we came across some rocks. Uh, I will say this, that like if you wanted to check out the views, you needed to physically stop. Because the minute you picked your head up is the minute you're going to eat it. That's what I experienced, at least, is that the minute you left, took your, your, your vision off the trails, you were going to hit a rock and, and smash up your foot and, uh, and go for a little bit of a ride. Um, the river crossings were great for me because it felt great on the feet. Um, the bottom of my feet, uh, even today, my feet are still raw, and I, I know they're going to be a little raw for some time yet, but um, those, those river crossings never felt so good to just stand in there and cool down your feet. Uh, but the trails were they were definitely an experience. It was a great time. It was very, you know, technical in places, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and definitely was challenging in the same aspect. Corinne, what do you think? Yeah. 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 So they were, they, they were rocky. I mean, I, I agree. It, they, they were, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I'd classify them as technical. I would call them very rocky and, and meaning, you know, you're constantly on uneven surface. So there's some sharp, there was just, you're using stabilizer muscles. And like Todd said, you had to pay attention constantly. So that, that kind of pounding, I think, um, also, you know, did a number on my feet. I, I was joking around with you, Rob, that I had maybe worse looking toenails. I think I've lost, I'm going to lose four. Um, and I have a gigantic blister, but luckily I did not feel that until they took my shoe off and I saw it. Um, I but yeah, look. it, it, it beat up, it beat up your feet for sure. Uh, I didn't look until, uh, basically getting home, I'd say, but what? <laughs> no, I wore the same pair of socks How and you change your shoes. No, I didn't change shoes either. Um, 200 milers have taught me like to toughen up a little bit, but, uh, yeah, no blisters for me. Uh, but my two big toenails are missing. So, uh, that's embarrassing to admit publicly, but I, there were one or two points in the whole race that I either tried to enjoy a view or whatever, and wasn't paying attention, kicked full blown, kicked a rock with my big toe either left or right and so i'm trying to be positive about it i mean toenails weren't growing in perfect so it's time to just start over again um it was bad it was really bad yeah um yeah the river crossings were cool they were uh i don't know they were one of them was a lot deeper than the other ones and um I don't know if you guys remember that one, but um, yeah, I wanted to stay there and swim. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome to be able to cool off and put it over your head and everything. Yeah. And and your feet dried out pretty quick. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. Was that the stream that was manned? Is that the stream that you're referring to that they had somebody out there manning it? I, I, I didn't see anybody at any of them. (laughs) So obviously I missed that person, but there was one that almost went up to like my chest Oh, wow. Whoa. Whoa, chest? Yeah, I was, maybe I, I just, mean, maybe I maybe went, went in the, the wrong, wrong way. way. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, think that, that I might was, have been where I got lost because I, I did get lost. I was like not waist high. I would say like thigh high for me. Mm-hmm. Like it never hit my shorts like all the way up or whatever. So chest high, Corinne, 
What happened there? Oh my gosh. Uh, I fell you- in. I just fell in. No, I'm just kidding. I don't I don't know. Maybe I crossed it in the wrong spot. <laughs> That's in in they were open ended, so like for the listeners' background, like you're going in and you have a hundred yards on either side essentially that you can mm-hmm. pick and choose on how you enter and if you pick Corinne's side, that was probably the wrong <laughs> way. Uh, apparently. How so when you got to Black Canyon, did Todd, did you have a pacer available or no? Nope. Nope. No, I ran this whole thing solo. And and so what were you thinking when you got to Black Canyon? I mean it's right around forty miles, your longest race to date was fifty. Like is that in your head or are you just like, let's get in and out of here or or what's going on when you hit Black Canyon at station? <sighs> Well, I laugh is when 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 the runners come in because you're sharing basically the 60k finish, right? So you hear the announcer announcing that you know the the finishers coming in, and then they make a statement, you know, to the 100k finishers for anybody that drops, please come over and see me. I'm thinking, great, that's the thing that I really want to hear at this point. Um, so at that point, my I'm, I'm dealing with some cramping in my in my uh, in my quads and in my caps. So I, I sit down, I, I swap out my socks, um, just kind of rub down my, my quads a little bit, uh, get a little bit of food in me, um, just take a couple minutes, gather my thoughts. And then, you know, obviously when you have the opportunity to to exit or continue, I mean, sure, it, it crossed my mind, but I'm like, no, it's, it's time to go. So grabbed my stuff and headed out. Um, I probably was in that aid station maybe for five five, six minutes at most, just trying to gather everything to, to good, uh, get going. That's a great so. turnaround. I was in there for probably 10 minutes at least. Um, sure. Corinne, how was your drop down? It sounded like you were excited because you were noticing like uh, where you were competitively. Like, Were you excited to pick up a pacer? And I want to yeah. hear about that aid station because that's a big turnaround point. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I was, I was looking forward to seeing my pacer. I, I did. So I, I had somebody come pace me who, her name's Colleen Langley, um, who I did not know. I've talked to her on, I talked to her on the phone beforehand, but, um, one of my Aravipa teammates was, was nice enough to offer to connect me with her because she had decided to drop down to the 60 K. So, um, so this was my first time meeting her in person, um, but I came into the aid station there and it was, yeah, it was really cool because there were a lot of people there. There was, um, there were a lot of, of um, there was kind of, yeah, it was just a little bit more lively than the other ones. And Definitely. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I didn't, I tried not to stay too long, but I did eat some real food and, um, What'd you, you eat? Know, um, I ate two of the bean roll-ups. Okay. Um, yeah. They had yeah, some vegan something or other. It, there wasn't like a huge spread, right? I mean. No, no. It was pretty we, limited, but. Yeah. We asked for quesadillas, but they didn't have any there. And then um, I, watermelon. Yeah. Watermelon, too. Okay. Yeah. And so picking her up, I mean, what's going through your head? Because you're already going to PR just by getting out of the chair. I mean, did both of you guys sit down in a chair? I definitely did. I don't I sat on the, I sat on the ground. There were no chairs available at that point. Todd. It was a fun getting up. So. <laughs> I, I didn't sit down until table Mesa. Nice. Okay. Nice. 
Mm-hmm. Well, respect on that front. Um. Well, I just, I didn't, I didn't know. I was just trying not to because I, you know, I didn't want to stiffen up. Um, it's funny because I was so scared of the chair for like years, it, like at least two or three years, where I was like, no, like not going there. And then after you do a hundred or a two hundred. Oh, like, yeah, oh, trust my, me. I had, I had my good, my good stage. friend. <laughs> like I'm always, I'll sit down and it'll be mile thirteen. Like, <laughs> um, no. Anyways, so what's going through your head though? Because this is your longest distance on your feet. Are you concerned or like just what's going through your head as you leave that aid station? Are you excited? Yeah, yeah. I no, I was excited. I was excited. Um, it kind of took a little bit of a turn after that. Um, but I, I was excited going out of it. Cause I, again, I was looking forward to having somebody with me, um, and just having, you know, just having somebody there and having somebody. And I actually told, told Colleen, I'm like, you got to tell me all about your, yourself. You got to tell me your whole, you know, your whole story. I want to, I want to get to know you. And, um, and so we left and, you know, I was feeling good. And I actually, um, probably three or four miles into that section. Um, I, I don't know. I think it was a combination of things that ended up kind of coming to a bit of a head, but I, I do think that I was used to not having somebody with me. And then all of a sudden having somebody with me, I, I tended to, I was like paying attention to, to, you know, to her and, and almost, it was almost an added, a bit of an added stress, even though it was all um, and that's something I wasn't expecting. I mean, I, I've never run with a pacer before. And so it was, um, Interesting. I, it was actually almost a, a, a little bit overwhelming for, for me. Um, yeah, I and mean, maybe it's run I for so 20, 25 years without a pacer. And so, um, <laughs> and so you're running up the hills or mm-hmm. the mountain there. Um, were you feeling good? Like aerobically as you yeah. climbed? I, I was feeling good aerobically, and, and then you know, it, there's a trend going here with Todd being emotional because all of a sudden I got super emotional. It, was it? Um, what was your name? You're, Courtney? Make, you're making me sound like the sensitive guy, the emotional guy. Sorry, that's funny. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Todd. You are the emotional guy. That's why I called you. We all love I you. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Uh, Corinne, what was causing you to get emotional there? Like, when did it hit you and and kind of walk me through what happened there? Yeah, um, sure. So I think around, I, again, I think it was probably about 44, 43, 44 miles. Um, On the descent? I, Is that when it hit? Or? I don't really remember if I was climbing or descending because – uh, honestly, this, I, I didn't, I never felt in on this course, I never felt like there was extended periods of either climbing or descending from a field perspective. Like I was never like, oh man, this is like a treacherous climb that's never ending. And I was never like, oh, this is, I, I'm like flying because I'm just descending forever. <laughs> it, it, it didn't feel like that to me. And I, I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't exactly know why, but I, I don't you're know from exactly you, right? <laughs> sorry <laughs> no but i don't i don't know i don't know which which section it was it was just more than more like i think i was a little behind on nutrition yeah i think i think maybe i had a little bit too much caffeine um in 
in gels and stuff before. Like I did, I wasn't having one every time, but I, I'm, I think I'm, you know, a bit more sensitive to have to caffeine than, than maybe some people. So a combination of that, and then also having, you know, um, having somebody talking to me and, and, um, that added element, I think all of those things kind of culminated. Were you just like, like in your own head, were you like, I just need like some quiet. Um, and the pacer just kept trying to like pick you up and. Yeah, no. And and I want, I mean, she did amazing and I would not have finished this race without her. But I think what I realized was that I needed to start telling her what was going on with me instead of just listening to yeah. her. So you were almost in your own head there for a while and just, um, so in, in Todd, I, I don't want to skip over you here, but, uh, Corinne, were, did your mind play tricks on you at this point in the race where you started to feel a sense of guilt? Like was your brain trying to trick you into quitting? Cause that's very, very common where, you start feeling like, oh, I'm such a horrible parent. Like, I'm not with my kids right now. Like, I I should just stop and, like, or, like, was your mind playing those kind of tricks? Or have you run enough that you've learned to, like, short-circuit yeah. those thoughts? Um, so I think that there was some mind stuff going on, but it wasn't quite in that manner. It was more of almost like an anxiety attack. Like a sense of, a sense of just being overwhelmed. I never, I never felt like I wanted to quit. Um, I just felt overwhelmed and almost like, kind of like, you know, how do I control this? This is, and then it surprised me that I was feeling that way because I was ready to have lows of pain and physical and just, you know, hurting and, and this was different. And so it caught me off guard, which added to the anxiety. Todd, how did you pick yourself up off the ground at uh, Black Canyon Aid Station? And, you know, you, you don't have, uh, it's hard to call it a luxury right now, but the luxury of a pacer. And, uh, like, how did you move forward there and, and and do that initial climb? I thought getting out of there is probably the hardest five miles of the race, roughly speaking, um, especially with blowed blown quads and low on nutrition. Yeah. So my, my story is maybe a little bit different. So the wheels started to fall off at mile 40 for me, just mentally, right. The, the climbing was starting to get to me. Like I have from mile 40, um, to the next aid station at, uh, let's see, we were at mile 47. I correct, yep. correct me if I'm wrong. So Cotton, at Cottonwood, yep. Cottonwood. Yep. So I, for mile 40, to, to Cottonwood, I was planning my, my stage to exit, my quit. You know, my first time ever DNFing, right? Playing this in my head, you know, thinking of the, the phone call I was going to make to my, my family, the call I was going to make to my coach when I got out, right? That, hey, it just didn't work out. Like, I was selling myself on, it's time to quit. You can't do this anymore. And literally, it was a struggle. It was, it was tough. Um, very, very tough climb out of there. A um, lot of pain cave, a lot of demons just taking over your mental and physical welfare um, to the point where like, I literally turned my phone on because um, I put it in airplane mode all day just to conserve on the battery. And I turned my phone on and I, I get a text message from my wife and it's a video of my kids, you know, tell, and my kids telling me that, you know, ru- you know, run fast, daddy. We love you. You know, it's a very short video. And I'm sitting there going, man, 
I just failed my kids, right? I just failed to come back with without a you know a buckle or a, an award or whatever you want to call it, right? So I'm sitting there playing this in my head that this is this is going to happen, and that was probably one of the most most scary things of my life because the minute I got to that aid station, I literally the guy you know is scanning your 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 tag or your uh, your bib, and I looked at him and I said, "Where do I go to quit?" And I literally, he showed me where to go. I went over to the guy and I said, hey, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And like, he's literally telling me that, look, it's going to be two hours before somebody comes in and gets you. Because obviously in the Black Canyons, you can't get vehicles up there. You can get, you know. That was a remote can, aid station. Yeah, that was a very remote aid station. Yeah, they couldn't get a grill so, there or anything. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So he told me, he's like, look, sit down, think about this. Um I grabbed some, some chicken broth. I sat down and literally I'm sitting to it next to another guy that's, that's quitting. And I asked him, I said, Hey, why are you quitting? And he told me, look, I've, I've never ran an ultra before in my life. And I didn't train well for this. And I'm thinking at this point, like, dude, I, I'm going to, I'm about ready to quit. And this guy next to me is, is quitting. And I've ran ultras before in my life. Right. And then I have another runner coming up to me and just pep talking me like, dude, don't you're this far. Don't quit. Don't quit. So I, I sat there and I drank another cup of broth. I, I drank two cups of broth because basically what the issue was is my calves and quads were just cramping. Every time I'd, I'd go to it's hydration. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I'd start to run, everything would just seize up on me. So I'm literally in a slow walk climbing out of black Canyon and, um, it's, pain, black Canyon it's, pain, it's painful too. Physically it painful. Is. Yeah. Physically. Yep. Yeah. It's every, every stride you take, it's basically, it's, it's, it's pulling me down. It's locking me up. And it was frustrating, uh, just physically and emotionally, emotional, excuse me. So I started to feel better. And I'm like, you know what? I, I walked up to the guy and I said, take my name off the list. So he took my name off the list and I kept going. And later down the road, that me putting my name on the list haunted me. And I, I can share that now or I can share it later. But um, the problem that I ran into is that my headlamp was in my mile 50 bag. Well, since my name went on the list, they pulled my bag. Oh, no. So by the time I got to mile 50, I had no headlamp. And it was already get, getting dark, and I was using my cell phone for, for a light. So at this point, I'm sitting at mile 50. I'm freaking out. Like, I, okay, what am I going to do? I mean, I can get behind another runner. But for anybody that's ran behind another runner, that the runner ahead of you has got a, a headlamp. Yeah, it helps you a little bit. But you can't see that 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 difference between you and 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 the runner in front of you. So you're going to be eating rocks left and right. If you're not paying attention, right? So many rocks on that course. I don't know how that works, honestly. Yeah. 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 So so luckily this lady overhears my conversation and she's, she's there helping her, her runner. And she said, Hey, look, why don't you just take my headlamp? Nice. And, uh, you know, she gave me my, the headlamp and, uh, literally I said, look, let me get your address. You know, I was going to mail it back to her, which I ended up doing yesterday. But I mean, that was a savior in itself. But the problem was, is I had no warm clothes. You know, I had no, I was thinking about switching my shoes at mile 50. Uh, so everything was in that aid bag, you know, switch, switch of clothes, headlamp, so shoes if I wanted it. You're in panic mode, essentially. Like, <laughs> yeah. you don't yeah. have any of the proper gear that you've trained with. I've had no, yeah, absolutely. I literally am going, you know, that 12, 12 and a half mile stretch with, with what I had on in the beginning of the race. So, um, it was, 
it was emotional, but it was also, um, I started running with a lady from mile 50 for a, to the next aid station. And, uh, she had, she had a, a waist, waist belt on, um, which really, really helped out. And we started to have some good conversations that just kept each other going. So it was, it was definitely, um, a good stretch, but I also, um, it was, <laughs> I'm still laughing at the fact that I, I, I dealt with that, but it was, it was definitely, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It shocked the system, but it also pushed me to keep going and get to the finish line. It's, Cause I knew I, I knew I, I knew I had warm clothes at the finish line. So I just had to get there. That's amazing. I, I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, the only thought that goes through my head is don't walk into the aid station and immediately put your name on the list or, or quit. Um, if you have the time, take 30 minutes minimum, uh, you know, unless you're chasing cutoffs to just like Todd did try to evaluate what the problem is. And a lot of times it's nutrition or hydration, like 90% of the time. So sit, eat some food. If you need to rehydrate or whatever, like take care of that first. Don't, don't drop out first. Um, but yeah, it sounds like you made a lot of the right decisions as hard as those were at that time. Mm -hmm. um, Table Mesa for me personally was weird. It was probably the lowest point in the entire race for me. They did have vegan grilled cheese. <laughs> so I, I think I cleared the entire, they only made like two of them in there. So I didn't get too wild. Uh, but I, I sat down sulking. You know, I had just been passed by probably a hundred people, so just the mental toll of pulling over on the side of the trail for that many people was a lot. Um, and then some woman yelled, "Hey, like, does anyone need a pacer? My runner dropped." So I, oh, I just looked oh. at her. I'm like, I, I didn't have the energy to even say yes. And then like, no one responded to her for five minutes or probably two or three minutes, and I was just like. Yeah, yeah, join join me. Like I'd be happy to take you all on. Like, you know, just honestly I kind of felt bad and I you know, I was I was at a low point and uh I picked up a random runner from Phoenix, Sabrina, who is probably the most positive human on the planet that I've ever come across, and I was probably the most negative at that point. Uh it was exactly what I needed. We just I didn't even turn music on until the last two miles and she got to hear me complain a lot. <laughs> and uh, That's so cool though. We, we crushed so cool. out a 45 minute mile, I think at one point. So <laughs> my quads were totally blown. And uh, honestly, thank you, Sabrina, if you're listening, cause it, it made, made the race. Like it got me through the last 12 miles. So yeah. Um, <laughs> Karina. That's so cool that you had that though. Um, that's what it's all about. That's really, that's really cool. Honestly, I think the table Mesa aid station was, I think it was hard for a lot of people. Um, it, I mean, it was, it was the hardest for me for, for sure. Um, I got through that, that emotional point actually ended up calling my husband from the trail and talking to him and, and he helps me get through it. But then when I got into that aid station, I kind of broke down again and, and 
later my crew that um, I was actually the third place guy also had a serious almost kind of meltdown and was really angry and upset at that aid station as well. So I, I think it ate a lot of people up at that how, point. How did that phone call go? Not to be like totally personal, <laughs> but like, how do you start off that call? Were you, were you on the, tra- were you on the trail with your pacer and you called him? Yeah. 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 So my pacer called him. I didn't have my phone, but I was like, all of a sudden I just realized that I, I like, I needed to talk to my husband. Um, like that's what I needed right then. And so I, I was just like, can you just try to call him? And, um, we, we got to a spot that had service and I started walking, um, and he picked up and I just said, I'm, I just said, I am, I don't know what's going on, but I can't, I, I like can't keep it together. I'm just super upset. I almost feel like I'm having anxiety attack and I, I don't know what's going on, but I just needed to talk to you. And, um, and he was like, it just relax. You're, you're crushing it. You're doing amazing. You're, you're, you're every, you should see the texturing that's going on with our community. It's, you're doing amazing and you just need to, to relax and it's going to be okay. And I think I just vented and got it out and, and I needed to talk to somebody who knew me. And so he must've said the right things. Cause it seemed to, I mean, yeah. What did your crew say to you at the same aid station? Something. Yeah, all they, these people must have been helping because you had a heck of a raise. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. they 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 helped a ton. I mean, the same things. They're just they just said you're just doing you're doing great. We're gonna get we're gonna rub your legs out. We're gonna change your socks and shoes. You're 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 doing well. Everything's going going great. You know, do you need what do you do you need to cool off? Do you need do you want something else to eat? You know, they were just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, this is this is what crew and pacers are are all about. Did you run out of that aid station? I couldn't because I spent about five minutes there, and so when I tr- I tried to, um, and and I was pretty stiff. So I, but everybody cheered, and I'm like, oh my god, this is why people cheer out of aid stations because because people keep going. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh my god, it helps. You know, this is. <laughs> and then there's that yeah. road, the road crossing. You can stop running. That's that's the, yeah yeah. That's, so it took that's a, where you can walk good, and pretend like you're still running. <laughs> <laughs> it took a good quarter mile or so to to be able to start moving again. Um, and I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to, but but my my legs came back and and I I was able to start start running again. So you think the food helps along with the call and the crew and yeah, body massage I do. apparently that you got. Um, yeah, leg massage, getting cooled off with with. Um, sponges, all of that. Yeah, they had food there a little bit more they than did. the other aid stations. Yes, I ate like three quesadillas. You're so, the yeah. you're the one that took them all. <laughs> um, Sorry, <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, Todd, how was that aid station for you? I mean, it sounds like you walked us through the majority of it. So you, th- there was a a woman with a waist belt, probably a Kogala, actually. Um, and you guys were having a conversation. Did you make it together to the finish line or did she take off at that? There was an aid station that's like 5K from the finish. Um, like, I just want yeah, to hear we, how that went. We actually separated at one point. I, I apologize. I think it was that uh, um, I was wrong in my, my thought process. I actually picked her up at mile at Cottonwood. We made it to Table Mesa together. 
And then once I picked up a headlamp, I got behind uh, a gentleman by the name of Sasha from Florida. And him and I just kept, we, we finished the race together. We went uh, the next 12 miles uh, together. Um, so there was um, that aid station, every aid station I hit, I just kept taking broth. Um, broth and you know chips is basically all I, I put in my system along with my nutrition that I was already putting in. But were you looking the pro- over the whole aid station and seeing what your body was craving or were you just like broth broth's working so I'm just going to keep drinking it? Yeah, I looked at everything and, and nothing just looked appealing to me. I mean, there was a great spread. Don't get me wrong. The aid station food was, the spread looked fantastic. But yeah. I, the only thing that, that seemed and tasted good was, was the broth. I was cold. You know, I, I wanted something that would warm up the system um, and, and just, you know, get my body just to continue to keep performing, um, you know, to the finish. So uh, chicken broth, and I actually just I burnt the crap out of my mouth from uh, one of them. But it was it was fantastic. I mean, it, it, it never tasted so good because chicken that's broth. That's what your body needed. Of, yeah. Yep, it's, mm. it's what I needed, and that's what I just kept, uh, kept putting in the system. So if that you, was If you tasted that chicken broth right now, You'd probably like spit it out and think it tastes <laughs> awful. <laughs> yeah. um, but man, when your body's craving like the sodium from it, like mm-hmm. it tastes like a, a five star chef made it for you. Um, and so you were able to run some of these miles, these last twelve. Yeah, we we would go in bursts. So we did a lot of. Uh, I felt like a, a glorified speedwalker, but we were we were just. <laughs> You know, walking fast, walking hard. I mean, you have that, that climb out from uh, Table Mesa, you know, up a um, you know, little bit of uh, some downhill, and then, you know, then you make your, your descent um, to the last aid station. But we just did, we did some fast walking, and to be honest, I didn't all-out sprint to that last mile. Um, cool. You know, so. That climb out of Table Mesa was beautiful. For me, it was... I was climbing that highest peak during the sunset and so, but my quads were so shot and I felt so crappy. I didn't even take a picture, which for me is a fail, honestly, like, um, cause I always think that section's absolutely stunning. Corinna was probably still daylight out when you hit that section, right? Um, yeah. You were getting yeah. sunburnt as, uh, Todd and I were way behind you. I, no, I got to see the sunset coming in though. The last, the last like couple miles, the sun was setting, and 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 so that it was beautiful. I mean, yeah, it it was amazing. I'm sure from wherever you saw the the sunset, it, it looked awesome. It, yeah, that's yeah. that's almost a guarantee in Phoenix. As long as it's not like raining or something, it's which is yeah. rare. Um, how how were you feeling going in? I don't know, from that 5K aid station, which is very odd, honestly. Like, there's normally not a 5K aid station. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah. it might have been 6K or something. It's nice, don't get me wrong. Don't take it away, or I... Um But from that aid station in, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. where where were you? Were you starting to realize I, the enormity of finishing your first 100K? Or? 
Yeah, I, I, I was. I mean, I was, you know, I had ended up getting passed by a couple couple of women who ran really smart races. And, geez, I think Michelle Hawk passed me, and I didn't know who it was. But I was like, oh, my God, that woman is amazing. And then, I yeah, I realized who it was. Um, they just, you know, they just ran, I think, a little smarter and had, had more at the end um, than, than I did. But I was excited to be keeping, you know, still moving and, and moving decently well. And I was actually pretty happy they had that last aid station because I was out of water. So I refilled both my bottles just in case something crazy went wrong. Um, and I, then, for, yeah. For the too much information segment here i was chafing so bad going in that aid station and oh no they had the squirrels nut butter and i couldn't have been happier that they had that <laughs> it was bad it was bad for me like i've done obviously like races that are uh four or five times longer than that one but chafing for me was really bad during this race so no. um but were you running? Were you sprinting the last right. mile in? I, I ran pretty hard the last mile. I, I, I yeah, I, because I, you know, I mean, I knew it was the, and I, you can hear and see the, you see the lights and you could, you could hear Torturous. the finish line from, from like a mile Point, and a half out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> so, and so, I mean, I think it is, it is torturous, but it's also motivating. And there's a section that is a little bit smoother. And so the second that it wasn't rocky, I was like, I'm running like, thank you God for the smooth surface under exactly. my feet. I'm, ru I'm running on it. So yeah, it was, it was exciting. And I mean, how did the finish line feel for you? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, it was just, it was, it's unlike any, any race I've ever finished. And, and, um, it, it was emotional and, um, yeah, I think I've got some <laughs> videos of all the emotion out there, but it was, it was wonderful. I mean, send me them. You know. I'll, I'll, I'll share them with everyone. <laughs> I don't um, know. I don't so know you're someone that's won. How, you, you, didn't you win like the North face 50 K in San Francisco and like you rock. Yeah. I did, yeah, yeah. And so you you felt more elated finishing your first hundred k. Is that right? Because of like what you overcame during the race, or, or I mean, is it on par with winning North Face fifty k? <laughs> um, as weird as that question is, it's, I mean, it's different. It's different. It 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 was a different sense of accomplishment. I was really happy with with the the race. My first hundred k. I think, you know, honestly, this is probably one of the most competitive races I've ever run in my life. And so my, you know, my expectations of where I was going to place in it, I, I, I didn't have a lot of those. Um, and, and so I, I was happy with it and, and it was, it was an internal, just sense of, of pride in knowing, you know, that I could, I could run this distance and I could actually be running at the end. And I was proud of that. Isn't it the coolest feeling? It's so like cool. when you're yeah. running and it's like some mile that you never comprehended, you could actually still feel good and smile and run during. Like totally. That's, yeah. Like I don't it care is. what distance it is when you like surpass your own like perception of your own capabilities of running. Like it's just special. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Todd, how, how was your last mile? Well, they, they kept telling me that, you know, you were a mile out when you passed the, like the box spring or the mattress or something like that. Did, did you guys hear that or see that out on the trail? No. Oh, that was it. weird. Uh, 
That yeah, was bizarre. Yeah. No, I didn't. There was this yeah. random, like, dilapidated box spring mattress sitting yep. on the side of the trail. Mm. That's that's apparently the mile marker. So <laughs> I, 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 I no, hit I that. I don't and... want to know the story behind that. <laughs> yeah. But I'm laughing at you guys. You guys are all talking about, you know, seeing sunsets. So I was out there in the pitch dark. And I'll tell you one thing is, is that the stars were, were gorgeous. I mean, it was beautiful out there. But... Once, once we hit that marker, a guy passed me and said, hey, if you got legs, now's the time to use them. And, and I'm like, I, I looked at my, the guy I was running with, I said, I'm going. And, uh, um, you know, I, I just started striding. Uh, just, you know, you, you saw the lights, you saw the finish. And um, that, that cross and that finish line was, was the sweetest thing. Uh, because the day prior, we went there and took pictures of the finish line and, um it was, it was like I, I told you, emotional guy, right? It was the most emotional experience that I've had in a race ever, right? Just overcoming the adversity, overcoming, um, you know, almost throwing the towel in and saying I'm done to the point of finishing it and then handing you that buckle. That's the first buckle. You know, I've never received a buckle in my life, right? So that's um, just where I've come and where, I've, where I am today um, with the help of my family and my coach. I mean, it's uh, – it was just, it was awesome. And, uh, you know, a couple of the guys, Rob, that, you know, we were all staying with, they, they finished their race and they actually, uh, got on, uh, the shuttle showered and, up and, and, and came started, back yep, for you. Yeah. Came back to, uh, yeah. try to, no, try to meet me at the finish awesome. line, which was, which was awesome. But, um, yeah, cried like a little girl, but, uh, at the end of the day, um, yeah, I was, uh, how sweet it is, I guess. One of the, one of the, I, I was, one of, I mean, I felt fortunate. I was sitting, right like on the front picnic bench in that tent and saw you you guys come around and i got to see the emotion on your face and see you almost break down and i was just like wow like that's what this is all about like this was i I could tell this was probably the most important finish line of your entire life like Mm -hmm. i could just read that on your face and it was special for me to kind of relive uh this distance and how big of an accomplishment it really is. I mean, so big congrats to both of you guys. Um, Congratulations to you too, Rob and, and Todd. Congrats. Thank guys. you. Ditto to everybody. It's a beautiful it's a great it's, race. It's the best, best belt buckle they've had in years. So we all got a good yes. one. Um, <laughs> uh, so Corinne, I'll start with you. What advice do you have for someone that's thinking about uh, going beyond the 50 miles? distance and in, in tackling a hundred K and in getting a Western States qualifier. Um, yeah. I, so I think that going back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of, of the podcast about juggling family and training and life and all of that, I, I don't think that you have to be crazy and it's with the mileage in training. You just have to be consistent. And it's something I've absolutely, you know, learned from the roaches that, that the consistency is the key. Um, so don't, I don't, I think don't underestimate your ability to do it. If you feel like you're running quote unquote, lower mileage, um, I agree. um as an athlete. And then I think, um, I, I think, um, you, I, again, for me, just because this is what I learned personally, just realize that the lows might take shape in different forms. They might be physical, they might be mental, they might be emotional. Um, but that all of those are, are normal and maybe just, you know, your, your body's way of of responding. 
before we get to Todd, I'll share the one thing I've learned, at least from this conversation, is don't don't trust the person that's running in front of you. You don't know if they're peeing themselves or not. So, <laughs> okay. Um, Todd, <laughs> I had to set the stage pretty high for you here. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Rob, for forever. <laughs> the woman that peed herself. I appreciate that. Oh, man. No. I just, I, it's never gone nah. through my head that the person in front of me could be. <laughs> um, oh, that's great. No, Todd, what, 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 what advice would you have? I mean, you were on the list. I mean, initially mm-hmm. they kept you on the list. I know that was pretty upsetting to you that you thought, you thought they marked you as a DNF and like, yeah. uh, yeah. kept you on there. But what words of wisdom would you like to share from your first hundred K? Trust the process. Um, believe in yourself. Believe that uh, you can do this, right? I mean, I, I think everything that I learned is that I built I built a ton of confidence after crossing that finish line that, you know, a 38-year-old middle-of-the-pack guy can do this, right? Stick to the plan. Uh, rely on your uh, your friends, your family to, you know, to answer the questions that, are, that you might have concerns, you know, if, you know, Tommy and, and my friends that were with me, I mean, all you guys gave me a lot of great advice going into that race. And it's great information to hear, and I used a lot of it. But at the end of the day, you got to believe that you can do this, right? Believe in the process. Believe in the training. Uh, if you have a coach, listen to what they tell you. Stick to their plan that they, they, they tell you to go out, out at. And, uh, again, it's it's all about believing because I'm a strong believer now that, no matter what the uh, the challenges may face, you can overcome it. You just got to stick to it. Well, I, I appreciate both of you guys taking so much time. I know we all have lots of kids that are hopefully all sleeping right now. And honestly, Todd, just watching you throughout the whole process of the 100K, because I saw you the day before the race, day of and day after. And Corinne, I saw you before the race and got to see some social updates after you guys have rekindled that that amazement in this distance for me. Like, I don't want to say I'm taking for granted, but uh, it, definitely not after the race I had um, and blowing out my quads is 20 miles in the race. But yeah, you guys are both very inspirational in your own regards, and I'm just really happy that you were willing to share your stories. and And thank you so much for taking so much of your time, you know, away from what little time we all have here. So Corinne, where can people follow you on social media? I know you do some coaching also. Um, yeah. Instagram is mainly where I'm at with, I think it's Corinne underscore shall voyage. Um, so shall avoid my last name, S H A L V O Y. And then like voyage A G E. Awesome. Thank you. And Todd, yeah. where can, where can people follow you? So I'm on Facebook, Todd T O D dot Beck B E C K. And then my uh, Instagram is at T-O-D-B-C-K. So last question for you guys of the night. Corinne, what, what's next on your schedule? Todd, what's next on your schedule? What are you guys looking for? What are you, what are you training for? So I think I'm going to do California Untamed 330, Rob. Just <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. You no way knocked it out that. of the park. No way. Get ready for some panic attacks. Oh my gosh. No. I'm no, going to have I'm, some serious I, I, panic attacks. 
I, I'm oh. doing Leadville, Leadville Trail 100, so my first 100 miler in August. You'll crush it. I mean, it's, cl- it's close to home. You have a very good coach. You're gonna you're gonna do awesome. Um, Thank you. And then Thank Todd, you. what are you what are you looking for? What are you going for? Yep. So June 13th, uh, Kettle Moraine 100 be my uh, first 100 miler that I'll be uh, attacking this year. So uh, awesome. looking forward to that. Um, so just real quickly, I just can I shout out to my coach Patrick Reagan. Thank you so much. And then oh, the, the Peach, aka the what is it, the Gunslinger? Yep. Awesome. The East, so, He's a great guy. Uh, and then. Obviously, uh, kudos to Bigger Than the Trail. Um, school's not butter. And I got to mention Runaway Shoes and Territory Run Company. Love you guys all. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, let me do shout-outs. <laughs> Let's get them all in. <laughs> um, so I will shout-out to Spring Energy, or, yeah, Spring Energy as well as um, Air Vipa, of course. They put on amazing races. Thank you guys so much. And my crew and Pacer, Colleen and Katie, were awesome. It was a girl crew, and I love them and thank them so much. Shout out to my third grade teacher, Mrs. Leitner. Yeah. Do you remember her name? (laughs) I do. She had like a giant iguana and was totally carefree. Great way to spend third grade. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Awesome. I'm gonna edit That's that amazing. out. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. You're right. It's a perfect way to end the episode. And that was episode 127. Hope hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you to Todd and Corinne for taking all of their time. This was a really cool episode. I tried something slightly different here. This was their very first 100k finish. I hope you guys learned something from it. Were inspired by both of them two busy parents that managed to figure out training and get it done so big congrats to them big thank you to the show sponsors kogala exoskin destination trail hammer nutrition shout out to ultra the red team and you patreon supporters ray richard i really appreciate you guys appreciate every one of you supporters and most importantly don't forget to enjoy your training have a great week guys i'll see you